Hey there, party people, and welcome to You Scared of This, the weekly podcast where two grown men watch every single episode of Nickelodeon's classic TV horror anthology show from the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then ask each other if we're still afraid of the dark. I am. No, we tried to figure out if the show itself is still scary. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week in this most late 90s of episodes. Yes, most definitely. I am one of your two hosts, and my name is David Dykus. And I am the other of your two hosts, and my name is Eli Phillips. Hello, party people. Eli, how are you? I'm doing alright. I'm going to apologize in advance for how sniffly I'm going to be in this episode, but uh, I'm going to be real sniffly today. The cold weather has finally hit Austin. Those winters in Texas, they'll they'll really get you. How, how cold is it down there? Like 70, 80? Uh, I think it was actually like 49 degrees this morning. So that was pretty uncomfortable. It's up to 53 now, but uh, whew, my toes are chilly. Well, we'll manage somehow. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. It is also very cold here, so I apologize if I'm snottier than usual. Not much to report here. Had a Christmas party. That was fun. That's like your first at-home big adult hosting party, isn't it? My girlfriend and I hosted our first real party since, or since either of us moved here in 2014. It was about a month of preparation for about four hours of partying, but it was it was fun. It was worth it. Now, when we were growing up, we held most of our parties at your house. I feel like, actually, now that I think about it, your place and my place were pretty frequent, like, uh, yeah, party hosters. Yeah, our, both of our houses, both of our childhood homes were pretty well-suited for huge groups of people. And I'd say we would have parties, or at least, like, get people together every week, sometimes twice a week, <laughs> with and, little and to have... no advance warning. Yeah, um, and so I'm going to assume that this party was like one of those parties, and that you all watched a VHS tape. Well, we did watch uh, Home Alone and the Santa Claus, and part of Jim Carrey's The Grinch, as much of it as I could stomach, which is about 15 minutes. It is a good thing my wife does not listen to this show, because she would be very upset to know that she missed those movies. Uh, she bought Home Alone on DVD, like, two days ago. And uh, makes me watch the Santa Claus every year because she insists that it is the best Christmas movie. And I don't know how she feels about the Grinch. I've, I'm surprised at the number of people I've met in recent memory who will defend the Grinch. Because my family loves that movie. I hate that movie personally. I think it's one of the worst like holiday movies ever made. I think it's terrible. It's long. It's hyperactive. It's a story that definitely didn't need to be stretched out into two hours. And it's just irritating, but, like, some people genuinely love that movie and quote it and find it charming, and I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, I know I it's not me. It came out I know it's like them. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. Anyway, we should probably uh, dive into this week's episode. We foreshadowed this last week. So far, we're three episodes now into the... the new Midnight Society. Mm -hmm. But this is really the first episode we've reviewed that really, really feels like it's from the late 90s specifically. Yeah. Because we are reviewing The Tale of the Virtual Pets. Dykus, did you have a virtual pet when you were in school? I was going to ask you the same thing. We don't. I'm just going to come clean and say we don't have any nude business this week. In lieu of that, let's talk about virtual pets. Because I did have virtual pets. I had two of them, actually. What kind of virtual pets did you have? The first one I had was, of course, an officially licensed Godzilla virtual pet. Okay, I am not Which surprised, although weirdly I did not see that coming. 
Well, it was basically just a, a Tamagotchi, except instead of raising a Tamagotchi, you had a little pixelated Godzilla. Yeah. And you had to feed it and take care of it, and, you know, the same Tamagotchi stuff. The other one that I had, though, was a Digimon. Oh. Did you have a Digimon, Eli? Confession, I hated Digimon. Oh, man. Well, this was before Digimon was just like a cheap Pokemon knockoff. So, wait, the virtual pet came out before the the Pokemon knockoff? Yes, well, in America, at least. Before Pokemon came out, Pokemon was like 98, but the Digimon Virtual Pet was, I think, 97. Because I had one in fifth grade. And I remember caring for my Digimon as best I could, but here's the thing with Digimon. They will evolve into different monsters depending on how you raise them, but you can only raise them to a certain point by yourself. In order to get the full, like, evolutionary line of your monster, you have to, like, fight other people's Digimon. You have to connect your little Virtual Pet to another one and make them do battle. That sounds like, oh, wait a second. I'm looking this up. This is what uh, McKinsey had. I'm on board. I did not realize that that was Digimon. It was a lot of fun if you had friends who had Digimon <laughs> and you could all battle each other, you know, cooperate and collaborate to, to raise these Digimon together like a like a commune. <laughs> but <laughs> it takes a but village. But if you were like me and you didn't have any other friends who liked these things, you were kind of fucked. <laughs> so I I would wind up with these, like, stunted adolescent Digimon that would never grow into into full adults. <laughs> Which is the same problem I ran to, ran into with Pokemon like a year or two later when I started playing that. Yeah, this is just the most dykest story. <laughs> what, that I was playing a nerdy video game and didn't have any friends to play it with? Yeah, yes. fuck you. <laughs> yes, that's specifically what I meant. <laughs> what about you, Eli? Did you have any manner of virtual pet growing up? I don't think I actually had one to myself. Maybe I did. I don't think so. We definitely, there was a Digimon in the house. I believe it was McKinsey's. <laughs> well, what, did you have to call an exterminator or something? <laughs> Our house was infested with Digimon. <laughs> if that could happen to any house, it, it would have been mine growing up. Ours was covered in junk and gadgets, so that sounds right. So yeah, we had like I think a red Digimon, and I remember playing with that on a trip to Florida one time. Uh, like McKinsey brought it with him so that it wouldn't die, and I remember you know occasionally playing with that when I was bored. I remember the thing eventually breaking. Like he had it for so long that the screen wore out or something, uh, and I remember it slowly perishing and dying. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Master, save me, kill me, please. Endless. <laughs> um, I, I don't. He he might have had friends who had them as well. Actually, McKinsey was really good. My little brother was really good at at rallying people to his sort of causes or his ideas. So he probably did. Have... I thought you were gonna say he was really good at making friends. I was jealous. <laughs> also true. He was very. Good. I, no, I'm kidding. You had a lot of friends as a kid. <laughs> um, so it's possible that he had someone that he could fight his with and evolve it, but. I don't think I ever even knew that was a part of it, so I never felt the feeling, the pangs of loneliness that you did. I think I played against someone once. I, there was one time I was able to link up my Digimon, and I lost. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you cried, like, out of <laughs> sheer joy. I, I, I don't remember crying, but I, I won't <laughs> confirm or deny it. Um, but yeah, so we had Digimon in the house, I guess. Um, more recently, when I worked, I worked a shitty office job when I first moved to Austin, and my boss... Like, he was really good at what he did, and what he did was was screw people. Part of the time that I was there, he felt like he was losing his interest in work, and so he would just sit at his computer and, like, read sports news and watch Between Two Ferns starring Zach Galifianakis and not do anything. And that sort of infected me, and because he couldn't see my cubicle from where he sat, 
I could just do whatever I wanted for like days on end. And there, there was a period of time where I had a digital, like a, a virtual pet on my iPhone and kept it at my desk to keep me company while I was in this like miserable, boring job where I would just sit and like work on a few web pages and then read some news articles and feed my virtual pet. And that was the entirety of my day. And I named it Sean Kingston and then I neglected it for a month and it ran away. <laughs> what what app was this? Um, I It was, it's, it's funny. Uh, give me a second. I can actually, I can look it up and let you know. The company that made it, I don't know if the app still exists, but I know in Facebook, inside of Facebook Messenger, there are stickers of the little virtual pet. Yeah, it was called Hatch. I'm going to send you a Hatch sticker. This is what Sean Kingston looked like. Hey, y'all. Sean Kingston. There he is. (laughs) So I'm looking at what is essentially a big yellow circle with, like, giant eyes and a smile. And, like, little tiny nubs for legs and ears. Yeah. He's adorable. Yeah, you would feed him apples and he would poop. And then sometimes he'd give you presents, but the presents were always really for him. So, uh, so yeah, I guess I've had a virtual pet pretty recently. R.I.P. Sean Kingston. I'm gonna see if I can download that right now. Is this gonna be a recurring thing on the show? Or are we gonna get a Sean Kingston update? <laughs> I'm gonna for the da- rest of season six. I'm going to rehatch Sean Kingston live on the show. No. Um, I guess yeah. I was never into it because of the fact that I had a fucking Game Boy and I knew what real video games were and and digital monster things virtual pets seem kind of silly to me like they weren't as fun as real video games and so i didn't care also i had uh on my computer at home i had creatures which was it built itself as an artificial life simulation it was a company that had tried to build like uh a, a simulation of living organisms through computers and so um i was never really interested in the in the little virtual pet things that that existed you know when we were kids and I'll ask the listeners, what virtual pets did you guys have? Share your ex- your virtual pet experiences in the comments. We want to hear from you. Yes, uh, download Hatch and and come visit me and Sean Kingston. I don't actually even know if that's a thing that you can do. <laughs> well, try anyway. Yeah. With all that out of the way, let's talk about the episode at hand, the tale of the virtual pets. This is episode number 68, episode 3 of season 6. Originally aired February 20th, 1999. It was directed by our old friend Ian Patterson, who's directed a few episodes now, and written by Alice Eve Cohen. This is her first and last writing credit. Not just for this show, but for any show. (laughs) Where is she now? Find us, Alice. Oh my gosh, she has a what? AliceEveCohen.com. Is this the same person? Is it all about this one episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that she wrote? Uh, this is her. Alice Eve Cohen is a playwright, solo theater artist, and memoirist. She has written for Nickelodeon and PBS and received fellowships and grants from New York State Council of, on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. She teaches at the New York School in New York City. Holy shit. She wrote one of the Are You Afraid of the Dark novels. Oh, awesome. Which one? The Tale of the Souvenir Shop. Hmm. Hmm. So shout out to Eve for that. That may be some supplementary reading for us down the line. Oh man, that'd be fun. But anyway, tonight's episode is a Vange episode, and this episode begins with all of the Midnight Society members gathering round the fire. But Megan is not really uh, pulling her weight. She is getting a message on her pager. Yeah, she had most late nineties of devices. She has a. What's the difference between a pager and a beeper? Are they the same thing? I think that they're the same thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just, I'd always assumed they were the same thing. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking about that because we watched the Jungle movie recently, and I'd forgotten beepers yeah. were a thing until Big Bob's beepers made a made a cameo appearance. But yeah, her pager is blowing up. And then she whips out her cellular phone and tries to call someone. My mom keeps paging. Maybe I should call her and tell her I'm okay. How are you gonna do that? Smoke signals? <laughs> Why am I not surprised? So the joke here is she has a cell phone. Yeah, this is from an era, I remember there being jokes about this in other shows too, where a cell phone was an indicator of, like, snobbiness. Yeah. It was something that only, like, rich, spoiled kids had. Yep. Like, it's so weird to, like, try to put yourself back into that mentality. But Vange comes to the campfire, and she is disgusted by all of this. Vange very quickly established herself as an angry Luddite. It's bizarre, and it lo- it feels very, very dated. She walks up to Megan... And slams the phone shut, like, ends this call very rudely and abruptly. Quinn speaks for all of us when he says, you are so 11. (laughs) Which, is she? How old is she supposed to be? I guess she's 11. I guess so. She makes all of them think about the technology that they use every day. She's like, we're stuck with technology, we are stuck in it. Vange is not going to like the future. (laughs) (laughs) Although, like, looking at where we are now, maybe she's right. No. No. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> uh, but no, she. this leads into her story. She thinks, like, we think we're in control of our computers, but what if our computers are controlling us? Throws that shiny dust on the fire, and this time I notice that, you're right, it is super-duper shiny. Yeah. It kicks off the tale of the virtual pets, and oh boy, we start off with one of our favorite things. A very dated, very, very 90s uh, web browser. <laughs> Yeah, this kid is sitting at a computer, and his web browser takes him to a website called Digger. Which is just like a full screen, it looks like a game, with a cartoon dog positioned in the middle. The dog looks like the Hellhounds from Ghostbusters, if they if it hadn't leveled up to its full form yet. It's this really, really ugly, bad CGI website. But of course, this blows the kid's mind. There are, the kid here is named Tom. Did you notice that... He has labeled the keyboard to his computer Tom Stuff. I thought that was the brand at first. <laughs> I had not noticed the that. Kid's is name... that a random observation this week? I guess so. The kid's the kid is he's sitting at his computer and his name is Tom, and when the camera cuts to his keyboard so that you can see him like hammering the escape key trying to escape this website, because yeah, that's how that works. Uh, we see yeah. that they've covered up the brand name on his keyboard. You know how the brand is always in like the top left corner or whatever. Uh, They've covered it up with a sticker that just says Tom's stuff. Tom's name is not the only one that's plastered onto uh, something in his room. Oh? Did you see the name, the author of who wrote his book about technology? (laughs) I'm seeing it right now. Yeah, uh, he he wants, he's talking to this Digger computer application, and it says it it wants Tom to feed it information, so he holds up Advanced Computer Language, a book. And as you're pointing out right now, uh, it looks like that book is written by Ian Patterson. Well, it's written by someone named I. Patterson. <laughs> yeah, the first part of their name is covered up, but yeah, I. Patterson. Har har. But as you were saying, this digger website speaks to Tom. Feed me. Say what? Feed me. It's getting kind of weird. And after a few seconds, it shoots a laser beam out through the screen into Tom's brain. Yep. And in some amazing, the the best kind of special effects for this show, 
In an amazingly cheesy special effect, it vaporizes him. Yeah, he gets like sucked. It's like a glowing rotoscope thing that turns into these weird textures and then he he sort of vanishes and we wipe to the next scene. Okay, hold on. We have to talk about... There are two things I want to talk about before we get into the meat of this episode. Okay. Number one, these fucking wipes. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of sort of Star Wars style wipes. Not even start like every time we transition from scene to scene, we get this like pixelated wipe with a goofy sound effect. <laughs> At one point, it wipes with the it does this pixel wipe and we get a toilet flush for no reason. I totally missed the toilet flush. This gets old fast. <laughs> like it got old in the tale of the ghastly grinner. It is ten times worse here. They were just having way too much fun with the, these digital wipes. Yeah, yeah, it, it fucks with the tone of the show. The other thing here, and I just have to say this, the the word digger is used a lot in this episode. It's the name of the program that's controlling these virtual pets. Mm-hmm. I am not comfortable using that word. It just sounds too close to, you know, especially when kids are throwing it around, like, in this angry tone of voice. Give these diggers to the new units. I, it, I just, I'm... I'm just going to call them virtual pets. I'm going to avoid the word digger just because it's weird. I was going to argue with you, but every time you've said it, it sounds like the, the consonant, hard consonant I know, sound right? has been kind of ambiguous, so uh, I'm comfortable with that. Just going to clarify that now, because now we're going to get into the actual plot of the episode. We meet our two young protagonists, or I guess only one of them is really a protagonist. Yeah, even then, I hate the protagonist, so it feels like this episode doesn't yeah. have anyone to root for. We meet Kate and Isabel. Uh, Kate is Kate is really our, our hero. She is an even bigger Luddite than Vange was at the beginning of this episode. She's like a stand-in for Vange. Yeah, she is a girl who hates technology, has never used a computer in her life. Like, just has this irrational hatred of computers and any... Like, she might as well be Amish. It, it, Such yeah. is her resentment for technology. <laughs> yeah, she never goes into a lot of detail, so we have to assume that she just has the same reasoning that Vange does, which I guess is, I don't want to use technology because I don't want it to control me. But she doesn't seem to have that sort of reasoning behind her behaviors. Like, she never sort of uh, preaches to anyone about how they are sheeple or anything like that. She just seems like she's scared of it. Yeah, she's put off by it anytime she sees it, but she later, later clarifies, like, I've never even used a computer. The fact that she's kind of the the moral center of this episode is incredibly frustrating. In this first scene, they're walking to school. Did you did you observe the fact that, like, 99% of the characters in the background are male? All of these people are about, what would you say, 12, 13 years old? And, uh, yeah. damn, they are all wearing some Jinkos. Oh, yeah. We are at peak Jinko. Yeah. Uh, it is fantastic seeing the fashions happening here. Like, the amount of plaid shirts tied around people's waists and pants that could double as skirts. Did you own a pair of Jinkos? Uh, shit, yeah, I did. I did not. I, I wonder if I was missing out not having a pair of, of extra-wide jeans. I remember walking and the sound of, like, the denim from one leg sweeping across the denim from the other, like, curtains. Like, that just being... It was the, like music to you. That was, like, the sound of of my fifth grade year or whatever. But no, these two kids are walking to school. We have Kate, who hates technology, and we have Isabel, who's all about it. She has brought her laptop to school. Which is very unrealistic. Yeah, in 1999? Come on. What does she even have it plugged into? 
using her five minutes of battery life, I guess. Uh, yeah, something. And there's even a little scene between the two of them where they have a debate over analog versus digital, where one of them is where Isabel is using her computer and she overloads the memory and she's like, oh, no, I, I, I overloaded it. And uh, Kate is like, well, that never happens with my pencil. And she's sharpening a pencil. Oh, oh, it, it just makes me so angry. <laughs> this scene is interrupted by them seeing Tom handing someone one of these virtual pets, one of these little boxes. Uh, Tom has become basically a zombie. He looks very unhealthy. He has a weird digger icon on the back of his neck. That Please, is the... let's not use the word. <laughs> yes, he has a tattoo on the back of his neck that is the logo. I guess it's the face of one of these little creatures. And um... Yeah, it's the, it's the ugly CGI bulldog that he, he's now... He has a tattoo of it on his neck, and no one seems to question this. Except for Kate. Well, Kate observes it. Tom is now totally zombified, and he is distributing these... For virtual pets, they're actually pretty big. These big yellow, like, handheld boxes to every kid in class who will take one. Yeah, he's giving them out for free, which should weird people out. And I think it weirds Kate out a little bit. But what should weird them out way more is the fact that he no longer has any personality. He's become sort of a, like, mindless asshole. How much do the diggers cost? They're free. Wow, thanks. Where'd you get them? What's the difference? But no one cares because they're all getting these little virtual pets with full color screens that are definitely like CGI'd on. Or I'm not sure how they made these, yeah. but the resolution is way too high for the time period. Tom tries to give one of these to Kate. Kate is not having any of it, but Isabel eagerly snatches up one of these virtual pets and instantly becomes obsessed with it. Uh, later that day, we see Isabel and Kate going shopping. I hated this scene here so much where Kate summons her over and she's like, Isabel, put that thing down. Do you want to see something really amazing? Yeah, she shows her an infinity mirror. Or she brings Isabel into this dressing room where there are two mirrors facing each other. And she's like, wow, look at this. It's infinity. And Isabel, just like any rational person, looks at it for a second and is like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. And then goes back to uh, playing with her virtual pet. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not two years old. I don't need to just stare into a mirror for entertainment. Like, yeah, this little toy is more fun than two mirrors facing one another. <laughs> So Isabel takes this little virtual pet home, but before it can drain her brain, Isabel is summoned down to the dinner table by her parents. Uh, later that night, Kate is over at Isabel's place, and they're studying together. And all the while, it is making the most irritating noise in the world. Kate gets sick of it. She tells she shoves the virtual pet into a closet and leaves and says she'll come back tomorrow to pick up uh, Isabel for school. But during the night, the virtual pet starts blinking again. It demands that Isabel feed it. What do you want? Feed me. Feed me. The part where it says feed me in this, like, calm female voice, that's as close as this episode ever gets to being scary, I think. Yeah, yeah. And even then, it's just sort of silly coming from this little box that you could chuck out a window. Just like the computer at the start of this episode, it shoots out a pink laser beam and it drains her brain. Is that when we get our first commercial break? Oh, man, I don't know when we get our first. Well, I think we get it after this. We see what happens. Uh, it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Not only does it vaporize her, it creates an exact duplicate of Isabel. And Isabel herself is sucked into this little handheld virtual game. Just... The duplicate that is left in Isabel's place has that same tired, dead-eyed look that Tom had in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when we, we figure out what's going on. These virtual pets are just body snatching. 
They're capturing people and replacing them with zombies. <laughs> and we cut back to Tom sitting at his computer, and he is talking to the website uh, that we saw in the opening. And then there's an evil laugh, and we get our commercial break. Digimon! Prepare to Digimon, the original digital monster. How well you train him determines the monster you get. Train him to shadow box, to battle. And when you've taught him enough... So yeah, uh, so now I just wanted to share with you that I am, during the rest of this episode, I'm going to be real distracted because Sean Kingston is going to need a lot of my attention. Alright, Kingston Watch 2017 is on. So if you hear some weird chirping sounds in the background, or the sound of someone picking apples... I will not edit that out. That's just me and Sean Kingston having a good time. Alright, so yeah, we've returned from the commercial break, and we are back in school. Well, no, we're not back in school yet, because Kate goes over to Isabel's house to pick her up, and sees as soon as she goes out the door, that number one, she's wearing the same clothes that she slept in. And number two, she's been totally zombified. And she has one of those hideous bulldog tattoos on her neck. Should we get that tattoo? No one should get that tattoo. It's it's the <laughs> ugliest tattoo I think I've ever seen. And it's on her neck. On the most regrettable place you could have it. Counterpoint. What if we got that tattoo? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but so they're walking to school. Oh, wait, wait. I'm, I'm being handed the envelope. Yes, we have another, another nominee for worst line reading of all time. Back to back. What yeah. a busy couple of weeks. When Kate comments on this neck tattoo, Isabel defends it by saying, or see, Kate actually asks, That tattoo on your neck like Tom's. Oh, uh, last night. Do you like it? No, it's gross. Well, I like it a lot. <laughs> and I am just dying laughing here. <laughs> so, uh, story time. When we were in high school, I was in a play. I did theater in high school, and I was in a play where I was supposed to be a gruff, no-nonsense, very serious lawyer. <laughs> okay. And good casting. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like five foot tall. I was a tiny human being. Um, I had a fake. I had a big fake mustache, and I was a lawyer. So naturally, I tried to channel uh, the father of one of our friends um, and just be that. But yes. then I was like, "No, I'm supposed." I know to... exactly who you mean. I was like, "I'm supposed to be very, very serious." And you have to understand that my my uh, awareness of the world around me was limited at the time, right? Like my my life experience. I was what fifteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. So I was like, "Who do I know that's like a gruff?" serious no-nonsense adult piccolo from dragon ball z (laughs) oh my god what did that look and sound like (laughs) 
I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Uh, that's an exaggeration. I didn't actually choose. I wasn't, I, I didn't make that conscious decision, oh, but man. someone told me that that's how I was acting. They're like, you, you, you're portraying this character as though they are Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of am. And during one of the first rehearsals, the director came up to me and said, Eli, and they were trying to be really nice. And I was so excited because I was like the only fresh one. No, that's not true. I was one of like two freshmen that had a part in this, in this production uh and so to me it was a big deal so the director comes up to me to give me some notes and he's trying to be as like considerate as he can and he goes eli and then he sort of like puts his hands in front of his mouth like mr burns kind of for a second and he's thinking yeah about how to say this and he's like you're not pissed there's just no reason why your character should be pissed (laughs) 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 and and i thought about it and i was like huh yeah, I guess he's absolutely right, isn't he? There's no reason for me to to be so pissed. And that's exactly what the scroll reminds me of. Like she just doesn't understand what her character is or her character motivation in this scene. You're so because right she is... because she plays the rest of these scenes just pissed. Yeah, she plays the rest of these scenes like someone is constantly just like pissing on her shoes or something. Like the old like the only acting that she does well in these scenes in the second half of the episode is just when she's staring menacingly at Kate or at nothing at all. Sean Kingston just took his first shit. I'm going to edit in crowd applause here. (laughs) I threw it in the garbage. Uh, Yeah, so that's basically what Isabel is for the rest of this episode, is just like an asshole zombie. And this sort of sets off Kate's alarms and she starts investigating and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, they go to school and Kate meets this entire crowd of zombified virtual pet kids who try to force one of these uh, virtual pets on her. Once again, she refuses. We get more pixelated wipes. The shot of her walking past all the kids with the tattoos on their necks and the kids are all acting really rigid. They've all got their palms on their desks and they're staring forward and they're all sitting together. I, I sort of enjoyed the campiness of that moment. Yeah, like this was such a weird scene because it looks like Kate arrives in class, sees all these weird zombified kids, and then the bell rings like 30 seconds later and they leave. The kids are all trying to give her one of these virtual pets, and she refuses, and then she uh, runs away and spies on... This is after school. She spies on Tom and Isabel going over to Tom's house. Is that right? Well, all four of the zombie kids go over to Tom's house, where the original computer is. Kate hides the computer. The main computer speaks to these four zombie kids, and we get maybe the most blatant exposition dump in the history of the show, because the computer just states outright the goal of this evil artificial intelligence or whatever it it says hey you did a good job now go out and do more of that shit until we have taken control of every human being on the planet is this where we see all of the the kids inside of them yeah the the kids who have been zombified their actual their souls i guess have been trapped inside these little handheld virtual pet computers the zombie kids all leave the house to go uh they're they're sent to go find kate and to find more kids so kate is left alone with the trapped with her friends who are trapped in these computers and she has five minutes to rescue them before I guess they're turned into data and assimilated by this computer. Basically we can sort of fast forward through the rest of this, right? 
the rest of the plot here is that Kate is talking to her friends trapped inside of these machines, and they have to explain to her how to stop the computer because she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, she has to sit down and use a computer. Oh no, she's never even touched a computer before. You can shut it down! Are you warped? I've never even touched a computer before! Kate, get over it! So they desperately try to walk her through the basics of using a computer. They try to delete this program. They try to turn off the computer. They try every trick in the book. They eventually try to overload the computer in the same way that Isabel's computer was overloaded early in the episode. Uh, but before they can put this plan into motion, zombie Isabel arrives and tries to stop her. Oh no! And a scuffle ensues. Turns out Kate is unable to stop this process from happening. All the other zombie kids show up, and the countdown finally ends, and a pink beam of light shoots out from this device, this weird contraption sitting next to the screen. But then Kate has this eureka moment where she realizes, like, oh, she doesn't have to use technology to stop this problem. She uses instead maybe the oldest trick in the book. This was actually done basically verbatim in uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice or whatever. Yeah, in The Magician's Assistant. Yeah, she yanks a mirror off the wall... And uses it to reflect this this magical energy beam back at the computer. And the computer, of course, explodes into a thousand pieces. I guess this is supposed to echo her affinity for the infinity mirror. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Like, that was meant to be some sort of Chekhov's mirror? I guess that's what we're supposed to read from that, yeah. Kate gets a one-liner after she blows up the computer. The first one-liner of the new batch. Now that's a computer crash. And all of her friends are freed from their virtual prisons and they're back to normal. We get the weakest attempt at a fake-out ever. Where there's one more virtual pet left on the floor, it's saying, feed me, feed we. But then a foot crushes it. Cam reveals that it's Kate and she says, maybe my pencil is good enough for me after all. We cut back to the Midnight Society and everyone's doing the typical good job on the story, Vange bullshit that they do. Uh, when Megan gets another page. She checks her pager, and oh my god, this one says, feed me, feed me. She screams, she runs away, everyone else sees this page and runs away, except for Vange and Quinn, who reveal that they work together to set this up, and Vange just steals her pager and says, I always wanted one of these. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> oh she's my gonna god. get pages. This is... She's gonna get pages from Megan's parents, constantly. Vange is fucking evil. <laughs> Also, she hates technology? No, I think that was all just an act. I think this entire story was just, like, gaslighting so she could steal uh, a pager from Megan. I kind of respect that. Uh, Anyway, the two of them high-five, and we get the funky-ass theme song. Funky-ass theme song. Oh, my fucking God. And for worse or for worse, that is the tale of the virtual pets. This episode is so bad. (laughs) <laughs> this episode, Eli, is so bad um, that I kind of liked it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a lot to talk about here, so uh, let's let's actually get into it. I guess, what are your thoughts on why this episode is so bad? And and also, why, what did you like about it the first time you watched it? Well, the acting is bad, the story is bad, the message is abhorrent. The music Mm -hmm. is overbearing and irritating. It's trying way too hard. And this whole episode is just saturated in a layer of late 90s cheese. Yeah. All of those things on their own are are bad qualities. But it's just so much happening at once 
that the first time I, I watched this, I was kind of charmed by it. I thought after one viewing, this was going to be the next great good-bad episode. I was very concerned when you said that, because I was like, man, I just did not like this episode at all. That being said, when I watched it the second time, I really <laughs> had to ride the fast-forward button, because it everything about this was bad. There are some interesting uh, sort of choices, I guess, that happen in this episode. The like, like you said, the actual virtual pets—they're kind of big. I think they look cool. They look like a part that fell off of the uh, the Pip Boy from Fallout. Yeah, they're these like big, chunky, sort of retro-looking boxes uh, with a little screen and some blinking lights and buttons on them. And I like the way that they look. I like the idea of an episode about AI virtual pets taking over, but even as a kid, I know this would have pissed me off because as a kid, I hated when people sort of played fast and loose with the rules of technology and how it works. Yeah. A a standard computer monitor that this kid bought is not going to be able to shoot a laser out of it, and that's not how web searches work and all kinds of things that would have just like driven me insane as a nerdy child and as an adult i just kind of roll my eyes and go god this is a stupid kid show i completely agree because the whole message of this episode is that like technology is evil but it's clearly written by someone who has no idea how technology works yeah or just doesn't care about the rules of these things The frustrating thing about this episode is I feel like there really is a scary episode there. There's a scary story to be told about virtual pets. Not in the way that they told it here, but, like, the idea of a kid getting a virtual pet and obsessing over it. Like, maybe a kid who doesn't have a lot of friends or doesn't have a lot of hobbies, and they just get so immersed in it that, like, they can't distinguish between the the virtual reality of the game and actual reality. Like, this episode would have been better if there was no supernatural element to it. If it was just about kids obsessing over this game. <laughs> if, it was like a, if it was like a Darren Aronofsky thing. Yeah. And it's just about someone struggling with addiction. Exactly. Like, that is that is the scary thing about... That's the actual scary thing about video games, is that you can become addicted to them. Uh, well, I would say that... I would say that there was a point in our history where that was the scary thing. And to a degree, it still is. I saw an article recently about a, a guy who has a gambling addiction and ended up spending, like, thousands of dollars on loot boxes... And he was like, I'm 20 years old. I started playing these games when I was like 17 and had my own money to spend. And I've accidentally spent this much money because I don't have impulse control. So that definitely is a thing. Um, I also think the idea that it was wanting information, it was like, hey, feed me information, is kind of more interesting than the idea of it stealing kids' souls. I recently listened to an episode of the Judge John Hodgman podcast where a woman had downloaded a chatbot and a, a messaging platform where you just talk to an ai mm-hmm. and um she was like oh it's harmless it's just like my weird friend and i get to text with it when my other friends don't want to text and in a follow-up episode someone wrote in and said hey that thing is definitely collecting her information so that it can sell it or like sell her targeted ads and this chatbot is like posing as your friend basically but then is selling your information and using it to generate revenue which is also creepy so i think that there are a lot of creepier things about virtual pets than this like really thin cheap shitty narrative that they tacked on top of it i'm just trying to think what i had left to say about this like oh well we should talk about the other problem with this episode which is that it is a bad version of the tale of the chameleons oh yeah i mean yes you're right this this story has already been told it was better the first time this doesn't add anything to that story of like aliens creating like 
doppelgangers of kids and trying to yeah yeah uh you know in the tale of the chameleons we got a weirder more interesting version of this where for some reason lizards turn into people if they bite the people and they want to replace everyone and swap positions with them and there were horrible like murder threats happening with with meat cleavers and people sticking their hands down disposals um you know, at the time that we watched that episode, we talked about how it was kind of dumb and we weren't super into it. But when you compare it to the bad version of that episode, like when yeah. you see this and think about the similarities between the two, you realize how good the tale of the chameleons was just by virtue of how bad it could have been. Needed more meat cleavers. This is definitely the first episode in the new batch where it feels weaker than the old episodes, specifically because there was an old episode that did the same thing better, right? Yeah. Somehow, this was a big step down from last week. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also funny because I just said that this episode made another episode look good by showing how shitty it could have been. And that was the moral of last week's episode, which we chided it for. Yeah. Like, it could be worse. You could be the tale of the virtual pets. Misfortune Cookie was like Citizen Kane compared to this. But I guess we have to ask Eli, you scared of this? I'm not scared of any part of this. I am not scared of this either. I found this, at best, kind of charmingly inept, and at worst, I found it offensive. (laughs) Oh, Sean Kingston just blew a spit bubble. Uh, So, with that thankfully out of the way, we can talk about next week. An episode that I am much more excited about because of the title. That's right. We're going to be watching The Tale of the Zombie Dice. There's going to be another Vange story. So. And it is the return of Adam Weissman, who directed The Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. So this is going to be his second episode on the show. All right. Well, hopefully Vange's second time at bat goes better than her first. Have you ever played Zombie Dice? Ah, is it a real thing? Yeah, it's got... It's like... A bunch of little dice with uh, with a cup, like a Yahtzee-style cup. And you just shake up the dice, and then you spill them on the ground. And whatever you get, uh, like, if you get feet, that means that the victim ran away. But if you get brains, that means you ate their brains. And uh, it's this little, like, little gambling kind of game using zombie dice. I'm looking at the Wikipedia uh, episode synopsis, and the first line here is, Tate loves to gamble. So this should be good. <laughs> and it also apparently guest stars Jay Baruchel. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah he's making his uh, return to the show. All right. Well, until then, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for slogging through the tale of the virtual pets with us. If you want to find us online, you can find us at facebook.com slash youscaredofthis, on Twitter at youscaredofthis. You can listen to our entire back catalog at soundcloud.com slash youscaredofthis. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Music and Google Play if you want to leave a rating or review. And if you do one of those things, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to download some sort of virtual pet, preferably Hatch, and let us know how it goes for you. We'll be back next week with an update on Sean Kingston. Oh, he's about to do something really cool, I think. Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. He blew me a kiss. We'll see you next week, everyone. Good night.
check, check, check. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Either way, it'll be fine. All right, before we before we kick things off, can I just read you something that it is not Nick News, but it's just something I found. Okay. It's an article from this from the summer of last year, so summer of 2016, uh, and the title of the article is called "Oh Good, Someone's Making a Hamilton Porn Parody Called Hamilton." Ugh. Ugh. No. <laughs> Listen to this description from the press release. <laughs> I don't want to. Hamil- <laughs> Hamilton will be revolutionary. It will be the first hip-hop porn musical spoofing a Broadway show celebrating a historical figure. And it'll have <laughs> anal sex. <laughs> I mean, I can't fault them for being ambitious then. <laughs> How did you find this? There's a not safe for work thread that uh, happens in the Flophouse Bad Meme Squad, which is just where everyone posts the memes that they find. And uh, it was in the not safe for work thread. Well, have you watched it yet? <laughs> I-, I don't even know if it's out. That's a great question. Um, Listeners, watch this video and tell us what it's like. <laughs> there's no way it's come out yet, right? Uh, it looks like there's a trailer on YouTube. Oh. My volume up. This could be horribly offensive. Seventeen sixty nine. Seventeen sixty nine. Oh fuck! I can't keep. I can't keep doing this. Actually, it's too uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> 